I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Voice First Health. The future of health is voice. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Voice First Health. So happy to have you along for this week's episode. Now in this week, I am actually sharing with you a recording that was done of another podcast that I was invited to to be on as a guest. Uh, I was very privileged, very honored to be asked to join the Boldly podcast, which is produced by Jewel, J-O-U-L-E, which is a subsidiary of the CMA, the Canadian Medical Association. And this podcast is all about uh, technology and innovation that is happening among physicians, in particular Canadian physicians. And I was speaking at a conference a number of months ago, and I met Steve Mortimer, who is the Jewel Vice President of Business Development. As I said, I was very, very honored to be asked to join the podcast, and I asked Jewel if it would be all right if I shared this interview with you, with the audience of Voice First Health, and they were only too pleased for me to do that. So uh, here is the interview that I had with Steve Mortimer from Jewel. I hope you enjoy it. Innovation is everywhere. Bold ideas and creations are happening right now, eager to be discovered and implemented. While real progress doesn't happen overnight, it's not impossible. On this episode of Boldly, we'll be talking about a technology that is disrupting healthcare, one you likely already have in your home or on your phone. To cover this topic, we spoke with the Voice First Technology Futurist, Dr. Terry Fisher, and he shares how transformational this technology is and will be. Interviewing him is Steve Mortimer, Jules' Vice President of Business Development, who met him last year. Keep listening to Boldly to find out how voice-first technologies can help bring care back into the home without compromising health. So hello, Dr. Fisher, and, and thanks for joining us today. It's really great to, to be speaking with you again. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Dr. Terry Fisher is a sport and exercise physician and clinical assistant professor at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. He's also the founder of Voice First Health, a website that documents the rapidly expanding intersection of healthcare and voice first technologies like Amazon's Alexa, Google's Google Assistant, and Apple's Siri. So welcome to the call today, Dr. Fisher. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure and um, an honor to be here. I know that you've had some uh, really incredible guests on your podcasts over the past uh, while since you've been doing the podcast, and uh, I really consider it a privilege to be here. So thanks very much for, for inviting me. Well, thanks, and, and we're pleased to add you to that list. So before we uh, dive into the impact of, of Voice First, which is you know really what we want to focus on in this call, can you tell us a little bit about your story as a clinician and what sparked your interest in AI, as well as the Voice First technologies? Sure. So um, as, as you mentioned, I, I work out at UBC in, uh, in the student health clinic, uh, and I do sports medicine, I do family medicine. But an underlying theme throughout my education and throughout what I do is I, I really am at heart a tech geek. I love technology, and that's something that has always always been a real passion of mine. I can remember going back to, to high school even, way before the iPhone, even before the Palm Pilot, there were these small little Casio digital diaries. And I considered myself an early adopter of the digital diary, and I'd use it to put my friends' names in there, and things sort of expanded from there. I, uh, you know, I became very interested in digital photography when that sort of became the new thing. Uh, I became interested in video editing and website design, and 
all along, I was, I was as I went through my education, I became more interested in technology and how that can be used uh, both in education and going through medical school, of course, how we could use that in healthcare as well. And um, so these three passions of mine, education, healthcare, and technology, have really come together in the last year or so when I started to learn about voice technology. And voice technology is something that I think is, as we'll get into, is going to completely revolutionize everything that we do, actually not only in healthcare, but just in general in our lives. And when I started to investigate what was going on in voice technology in Canada and starting, and I started to do some research in this, I actually really could not find much about what was going on because it is so new. And I decided that I wanted to create a resource, combine these passions, as I said, education, healthcare, technology, and create a resource for, for the public, but also clinicians and researchers and people that are interested in this technology to learn more. Uh, and so this, this website and this podcast, Voice First Health, was born to highlight what is being done and what is going to be done in the very near future. That's fascinating, and I'm, I know we're all glad that you're so passionate about this because I agree with you. It's uh, an area that's that's really underrepresented uh, uh, today because it is uh, such new technology, and especially in the healthcare space where uh, the, the use of these technologies is emerging, and I think we're, we're all curious to learn more. So can we dive a little bit further into what voice-first technology is and, and, and how you see this already impacting our society? Sure. So that's a great question. So um, I'll start off by explaining a little story, I think, which really puts things nicely into context for people that may not be familiar with that that term. I can remember coming home from uh, elementary school one day. I'm dating myself here a little bit. And I walked into the home and my parents were there. My parents were really excited and they said, hey, we've got this new thing that we've got in our office. Come check it out. And I run into the office and there is a personal computer sitting on the desk and it was a Tandy computer from Radio Shack and maybe some of the listeners will have had one of those um, and you know it really couldn't do very much at the time we had to take that five and a quarter inch floppy drive put it in turn on the computer and wait patiently and twiddle our thumbs while MS-DOS loaded and it loaded up and I sat down and as I mentioned I, I love technology I typed on this keyboard and I don't even know what I did but I just I just, I just know I spent hours sitting at this computer typing doing something and it was fascinating to me. And then we fast forward a number of years and MS-DOS turned into, of course, MS-Windows and there was a graphical user interface. And now you could use a mouse to move things around the screen and click on things. And, and, and it had a lot of new functionality, which was you know, more intuitive than the keyboard. You fast forward, to, uh, fast forward a number of years and we hit about 2007 when Steve Jobs got up on stage and made his iconic speech when he introduced the iPhone to the world. And now we had a touch screen, a piece of glass that people could tap and swipe and pinch and zoom and do all this sort of you know, magical stuff that, that had, hadn't been seen or heard of up until that point. The interesting thing is that all three of those uh, dramatic breakthroughs in technology still all required a physical interface. So we needed a keyboard. We needed a mouse. We needed a touch screen. And it was a way for us to communicate what we wanted to communicate to a computer. We needed some sort of conduit in order to be able to share our message with the computer. In other words, we had to adapt the way that we communicate in order for the computer to understand what we were trying to achieve. Now, for the first time ever, 
with the power of, of the, simply the computing power that we have available to us today and artificial intelligence and the rapid advances in natural language processing, natural language understanding, computers for the first time are adapting to the way we communicate as human beings. And so we are entering an era of what's known as ambient computing, where there are going to be microphones around us and we are going to be first interacting with the computer through our voice, voice first. Now it doesn't mean voice only, of course, there are going to be times when a screen makes perfect sense. We wanna be able to see something visual, but the primary interaction in, what, in the way that we are talking to computers and communicating with computers are going to be our most natural form of communication. And voice, I think, is so powerful for a number of reasons. One, it is the most natural, as I mentioned. Think about when, a, when an infant is born, the first thing that it does is it uses its voice, it cries. And so voice is completely innate to us as human beings. Voice is also much more efficient than typing, texting. You know, if, if, it was, it was, if it was more efficient, whenever you went to a talk or something, you'd have people typing what they're saying, which of course is ridiculous. Speaking is actually three to four times more efficient than typing or texting. The average person, the average person can type approximately 40 words per minute while the average person will speak about 150 words per minute. And the other real uh, interesting aspect of voice is that you can multitask. You could be doing just about anything when you're speaking and listening. Of course, take driving. Driving is a perfect example. You can't be typing, at least you shouldn't be typing or texting while you're driving. Um, but of course, you can, you can listen, you can talk. And, and that is one of the reasons that voice, or those are the three main reasons that I feel that voice is going to completely revolutionize everything. In fact, I will go so far as to say that I believe that we are about to experience the biggest technological paradigm shift since the internet itself, because this is going to completely disrupt everything that we do. And that's great. And that's what makes your insights into this, this field you know, all the more uh, exciting and intriguing. So thank you for that. So how do you think this technology can be applied to solve some of our greatest challenges that we see in our healthcare system in Canada today? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I can remember again, going back, being a medical student and, and being really excited when I was first accepted into medical school and the possibilities uh, in front of me. And, you know, of course I had discussions with people about the, the challenges with healthcare. And, you know, from, from, a, from a personal level, and I'm sure a lot of physicians can, can relate to this. You know, I feel frustrated that we are still stuck with some of the challenges. Access is a huge one, wait times, um, the complexity of the medical system, and so on. So I actually believe that um, the medical system is really, really ripe for a change, and we've been waiting for something that allows us change. We've tried so many different programs and strategies and throwing money at the system and so on. And, you know, yes, there's been some small changes here and there, but things haven't had the large-scale change that we need. I think voice is about to do that, so I'll explain a bit. Um, you know, this is not; these aren't my ideas, but but it's often been said that in order for there to be an efficient healthcare system, you need to have uh, the right care at the right time in the right place. And if we just briefly look at each one of those uh, individually, um, I can comment on how voice I think can really disrupt what we're doing in each of those components. So the right care. So one of the problems with, with uh, the layperson, this is not a, a, you know, a slant at anybody, it's just the nature of it, is that when somebody has a healthcare concern, and particularly for the layperson, the average patient, one of the issues is they don't know where is the best place to access the system, 
And what is the right care? Because maybe the right care for that person is to see a doctor. Maybe that right care is to go to the emergency room. Maybe that right care is simply to stay at home and, and climb into bed with a cold. So I imagine a future where we can have these voice assistants similar to, or, or the ones that you mentioned. It could be Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, um, Apple Siri, Samsung Bixby. You know, all these companies are investing billions of dollars in this right now. It could be one of these voice assistants sitting uh, in the home on the shelf and the person simply wakes up, they're not feeling well, and they talk to their AI voice assistant. And they say, hey, these are some of my symptoms. What do I do? And using good evidence-based medicine, medicine and good algorithms, proven algorithms, um, this device can actually start to provide care. You know, based on your symptoms, I think that you should climb into bed and drink some fluids and take it easy. If we, if we extend that to the right time, so if somebody has a concern and that voice assistant is able to um, you know, go through a symptom checklist, and these symptom checklists are there. They're, they're, there's a lot of research going into this, and they're being developed, and some of them are out there. Um, this voice assistant could essentially act as a triage nurse in the home. Could you imagine if each of us, each of our families, each of our um, homes had a triage nurse, a virtual triage nurse living in the home. And this could direct the, the, the resources of our healthcare system as a whole, but at an individual level. I think that is a fascinating uh, use case for these assistants. And you extend that to the right place. Not only can these voice assistants then act as a triage nurse and decide how urgently should this person be seen, but it can also then direct the patient to the right location. As we know, I mean, there's often times where patients in, in our healthcare system can't get in to see their family doctors and they go to the emergency department, not because it's necessarily something so acute that needs to be assessed in the emergency department, but simply because they don't know where else to go or where they can get access to the system in a timely manner. And so what if these assistants could actually give them some guidance and act a little bit like a tour guide and tell them, you know, for this problem, it's appropriate if you go to this location in this sort of time frame and so on. I think this would be an incredible way that we can actually take pressure off the healthcare system, bring the healthcare into the home. And I like to say, let's bring the health home and let the patient actually lead their healthcare by interacting with this technology that we now have available. So you've mentioned previously that, that voice first is like a personal tour guide. So this really intrigued me because the journey that, that patients experience when they're going through our healthcare system can be confusing at times. So do, do you see a role for voice first in helping patients to navigate the system? Yeah, that is a, that is a great question. I love that question. So I, I want to paint you a little picture here and for the listeners to paint a picture. You may have seen some documentaries. This is going to seem, seem off, off uh, topic here, but stay with me. So you may have seen a documentary um, uh, of, you know, nature documentaries. And one of the images that I, that I is very striking to me is the image of, thousands and thousands of penguins in the Antarctica standing in a mass, trying to keep each other warm and trying to help each other out. So imagine that one of those penguins in the middle of that mass of penguins is the patient. And I see that as patient or what we, what we refer to as patient-centered care. This patient is in the middle of a mass of healthcare facilities, uh, workers, uh, uh, you know, organizations, policies, and it's a maze to navigate. Everybody's got the best interests of the patient, of course, at heart, and they're trying to do the best, but it feels like they're just stuck in the middle of this mass 
of, of moving parts that's extremely hard to navigate. Now compare that with an image of uh, you know, a small flock of birds flying in that triangle formation when they're flying south for the winter. And there's that one bird that's leading the, that flock of birds. I see that now in this era of, of voice-first computing as a new paradigm, a new concept, a new module called patient-first healthcare, where the patient is the leader. And through the use of this voice assistant in their home, they are able to talk to the voice assistant the voice assistant can run through symptoms with them. The voice assistant can actually start to diagnose things. This is a fascinating area, vocal biomarkers. It can diagnose things based on the way the, the, way the patient sounds. And it can give guidance, as I, as I mentioned. Maybe it's to, to, to go through a questionnaire and send that to the doctor. Maybe it's to tell the patient to go to the emergency department. Maybe it's to have the patient cough, and the system will listen to the type of cough and suggest a diagnosis. But the, the, the point here is that the patient can simply interact with this health uh, navigator, as I like to call it, and it will literally help the patient to figure out where does this patient best tap into the healthcare system. Ultimately, I think this is going to take some pressure off of the healthcare workers, take some pressure off of the overcrowded uh, facilities, and these assistants, as they develop, are going to become more and more effective uh, at guiding the patient. I, I think of, I'm a little bit of a, a sci-fi movie uh, junkie, and there's this a movie some uh, um, listeners will be familiar with, Elysium, and it's about this, this, it takes place, you know, more than 100 years from now, and the Earth is, you know, not in great uh, condition, and there's a, a space station that's been built, this utopia, and I remember a scene where a mother gets into this, one of the homes, and there's actually like a medical bay in the home, and obviously, we're not we're nowhere near there, but I see a voice assistant in the home as being the beginning of that, where the patient really has access to the healthcare system in their home, and it's going to help them to navigate the system. So we're seeing more and more adoption of, of the technologies that support the, the voice-first systems that you've been describing today. And, you know, as we see more consumer adoption as a, as a, a provider of, of healthcare yourself, as a physician, do you feel that the healthcare skills featured on these kinds of services are, are really ready for prime time, or are they providing the, the, the quality of, of interaction that you would expect? At the present time, it's very early, and I have to I have to emphasize that. I compare what we're what, what our society is going through right now in terms of voice technology to what we were going through about 10, 11 years ago with the mobile phones. If you can remember when the App Store came out first from Apple, uh, you know, the, the big apps, the really big apps that were, you know, they were the big hits, were things like the Flashlight app. Um, you know, simple little things that, that were functional, but there wasn't a lot of, you know, uh, second level or third level functionality behind those. And I, I believe that's what we're seeing right now. Now there's a lot of research going into those second and third level functionality voice uh, design skills right now. But currently, the ones that are out there are the ones that are relatively simple. They have a great role, but they're providing information for the patient. So a couple of examples. Um, the Mayo Clinic has put out a first aid skill. So it's a completely voice-enabled uh, interaction where somebody at home, if they need first aid, they simply call upon it through voice, which is a great, great uh, use case for this, and they can get their first aid uh, advice through a voice interaction. Um, there's other skills similarly that provide information. There are skills out there that um, allow people to get 
reminders on medications, which helps the aging population to stay at home longer and provide them with that added bit of support so that they can maintain their independence. So there's a lot of those types of skills that are being developed now. The ones that are, like I say, a little bit more complex that are going to have the interaction back and forth between the patient and the, and the caregiver uh, are, are certainly being developed. Uh, 2018 has been referred to as the year of the, the studies, of the pilot studies. 2019 is expected to be the year when these things actually come to market in, in full scale. But one of the big barriers uh, is, of course, the privacy. Uh, and in the States, the HIPAA compliance and the equivalent uh, regulations in Canada these voice assistants do not yet have uh, the appropriate uh, regulations. Uh, they haven't been cleared yet to be used in those ways to store medical information. But they are these manufacturers, the, the major tech companies, are all working on this very, very actively to, to do that. And it's just a matter of time. I think once we see that, once we see the privacy regulations uh, and, and these devices approved for storing personal health information, this is going to be a big game changer because now we're going to be able to start to see the, the advanced interactions between patient and caregiver and we're going to have two-way conversations and that is going to completely uh, change this, this, uh, this scenario. So yes, there are some simple skills out there and there's a lot. There's a lot of simple skills, a lot of, like I said, that have great functionality, but I think a lot of these manufacturers are also just waiting for this privacy uh, component to come online so that we can take things to the next level. Okay, great, thanks. So, you know, based on the, the picture you're painting, it's it's really clear that that voice first technology has the potential to revolutionize the delivery of healthcare in terms of where patients receive their care, how they get their care. What barriers do you see in integrating voice first into our current system, and and how do you think we can overcome some of those barriers? That's a great question, and um, this actually goes back to the privacy. I think um, this is probably the biggest one. You know, there are different ways that we can think about this. Um, privacy obviously is extremely important when it comes to personal health information. But I'll also say that in this era where we are accessing technology uh, to make our lives more convenient, I think there's going to come a time where, to a certain degree, each of us is going to have to determine how much of our privacy we're willing to give up for convenience. One of the examples that I love to give is if you can think back to the first time you ever entered a credit card online. I know I felt very apprehensive about that. I thought I'd never do that. And yeah. I thought, where's my credit card number going? And you know, sure enough, one time I decided, okay, I'm gonna do it, and I did it. And fortunately, you know, nothing bad came of it. Now I know, yes, there's exceptions, and yes, there are security breaches, of course, but for the most part, you know, I, I did it. And now it just, it's not a big deal to me anymore. I throw my credit card out there on the, online all the time. And I have to wonder, personally, my opinion is that if we are going to come to a time where we are going to recognize the convenience of having these types of devices in our home, and ultimately, in order to really take advantage of the technology that's out there, we are going to have to be comfortable with putting our information out there. You know, people already use their cell phones to make phone calls, to, to access things, to search things. And when you really think about it, that information is already out there. I mean, Google, we all know, Google tracks everything. They know where we, cell phones are going to, cell phones collect more information than a voice assistant will because cell phones know where you are, your GPS location. They, they, they track who you were searching. They track your context, all this stuff. And, I, and, I, and we use it. We use it. It's just second nature to us now. 
And I think initially, there's always some apprehension whenever new technology comes online. And I've heard from people that they say, oh, I don't want these voice assistants in my home because it's listening to me. Um, but then when you, when you present it as, as I did and say, well, you know what? Your cell phone's listening to you too. And do you use that? And they say, oh, well, yeah, I'm used to that. That's just part of what I do. And I think it's going to be very interesting. There's going to have to be some type of balance between how much information we're giving up and, of course, the privacy regulations to protect people's information. Um, but I think that is the biggest barrier. And this is going to, there's going to be a whole new area here of like, what is AI ethics about? How do you use this, pers this personal information to drive artificial intelligence and the natural language understanding and how these machines are learning from us and what we're sharing with them? What is an ethical way to do that? And so these are some very interesting um, challenges. And I, you know, I, I don't know that anybody really has a solution for these right now, but they're definitely discussions that we should be having about uh, the future of this technology. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Fisher. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with one final question, and it, this one may be very difficult to, to, to answer, but what, what do you think the, the future is for Voice First in the next 10 years? What, how do you think this will impact our lives, and, and, and how, do you, how, do you, how do you see this uh, impacting our society in, in 10 years' time? That's a great question. That's a fun question because you get to just sort of let your imagination run wild. Um, I can tell you a little bit about what I think will happen, but also a little bit what I hope will happen. Um, you know, I, I think if we sort of extend what I was describing and we have these personal assistants in our home, that I think as the AI does become more intelligent and it, start, it starts to be able to understand more about what we're experiencing, that it really will become uh, a guide to the healthcare system. I think that we're going to see um, the decentralization of the healthcare, meaning that we're going to have little mini clinics, if you want to call that, in each person's home where we have these devices. And it's going to be a way for a person to interact with the healthcare system in their home. It's going to mean less patients are putting demand on the, on the um, healthcare facilities. Of course, they will be able to access them when needed. Um, but you won't have patients going to these healthcare facilities uh, if it's not needed, because they'll be able to obtain the right advice in their home. One of the other areas that I think is absolutely fascinating that I just touched upon is the whole idea of vocal biomarkers. And I think this is going to be uh, a real, real uh, exciting area over the next uh, five years to 10 years. And vocal biomarkers basically refer to the idea of pulling out metadata from voice. And so for those people that are familiar with digital photography, the metadata is everything that's stored when you take a photo that is not the photo itself. So, for example, the camera model, the aperture, the, the, um, the flash setting, the shutter speed, where it was taken, and so on. Well, you can do the same thing with voice. So if you take away the actual words, um, there's a lot of meaning that you can pull out of voice. So, for example, if my kids come home from school one day and I say to them, how was school? And they say to me, it was great. Right? That means something to me. But if I come, if they come home from school one day and I say to them, "What, uh, you know, how was school today?" and they say to me, "It was great," that has a totally different meaning. The words are the same, but what's fascinating is that the AI and the algorithms now are able to pick that up. When somebody says, "I can hear the emotion in your voice," you can scientifically quantify that by looking at the audio waveforms, and what that means is that you can actually have devices pick up your emotional state based on the way you're talking to it. In addition to that, you can have these devices pick up changes in the way that you're using words. So for example, maybe you can pick up changes uh, in, in when there's cognitive decline. 
dementia, Parkinson's. Additionally, there was a study done by a company that looked at correlation between um, the way somebody speaks and then they had coronary angiograms and they found a statistically significant correlation between the way somebody describes an emotional experience and, and the findings on coronary, um, uh, and the findings on the study. And what this shows is that there may actually be some diagnostic potential of voice uh, in, in multiple areas. They, they, I was so fascinated in this, I had to ask them, what, what, you know, what's the hypothesis there? And they said, well, it might have something to do with the vagus nerve or something with the vocal cords directly. But the, the fact that we, we are likely, this is not just science fiction, I mean, this, this is being done now, the research is being done now, that we are likely going to be able to use voice as another vital sign the device will listen to the way you're speaking and be able to pull out diagnoses and suggest risks for certain diseases just by the way somebody is speaking. That is incredible. So you can be talking to your device. Your device can be listening to you, having these conversations, guiding you through the healthcare system, but at the same time, it's pulling out this metadata. And when it gets concerned, in quotes, when it has something that it is recognizing that might be a problem, it can you know, bring that to your attention. It can bring it to your healthcare provider's attention. And these devices are going to become diagnostic devices in our home. And I think that is absolutely incredible. Thank you, Dr. Fisher. There's just so much potential in everything that you've described in, in today's podcast. Uh, it's, it, it's really just uh, amazing. And, and we really appreciate the fascinating insights that you've offered today. And, and uh, I'll just wrap up by thanking you for your time. Thank you so much again. Uh, it's a real, real pleasure to, to speak about this. As you can tell, I just, I love talking about it and I really am thankful for the opportunity. And if, and if anybody um, does have um, any research that they're interested in doing with this or they, you know, they want to reach out to me, of course, I'm happy to hear from anybody. Uh, as I said, my, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to basically bring to light the, the fascinating research that is done uh, in this area and try to help us all have these discussions that need to be have need to be had in order to move this technology forward. Great. Well, thanks for that offer and have a, have a wonderful day, Dr. Fisher. Thank you. And you too. You've been listening to Boldly. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. The future is voice first. Big thank you to Dr. Fisher and Steve for joining us and helping us see the technologies we already use in our daily lives in a different way. Care to learn more about voice first and how it will revolutionize the healthcare system? Be sure to listen to Dr. Fisher's podcast, Voice First Health. Loved our podcast? Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave a review. To learn more about Jewel, please connect with us at jewelinquiries at cma.ca or visit us at jewelcma.ca. That's J-O-U-L-E-C-M-A.ca. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Again, a big, big thank you goes out to the whole team at Jewel and the Boldly Podcast staff and the Canadian Medical Association for the invitation for me to be with them and for allowing me to share this on my podcast. If you'd like the links to these organizations, you can access those on the show notes page for this podcast episode, which of course can be found at voicefirsthealth.com slash 25. Thank you very much again for tuning in this week, and I look forward to bringing you another podcast next week. Talk to you then.